0: When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.
1: It's time for this week's Sir Pro Prep Football Confidential Show, here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM and Light Rock 97.5. It's brought to you by Serve Pro of Champaign, Urbana, providing damage restoration and cleaning from water, fire, mold, and storms. Serve Pro. Make it like it never even happened. Tonight's in depth look at area high school football is also powered by the Fighting Illini Army ROTC at the University of Illinois, forging strong leaders since 1868. Now, here is your host, Colin Likas.
2: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Pro Prep Football Confidential Radio Show, powered by U of I Army ROTC. I'm Colin Likas, joined once again this week by Joey Wright, the dynamic duo back together after a week off on the Wednesday airwaves. Of course, if you uh, caught... Our game of the week on WHMS last Friday. You heard us talking about Arthur Lovington Atwood Hammond football defeating Villa Grove on deck this week. A couple nights from now. Champaign Central against Centennial at Tommy Stewart Field. Joey Wright and Scott Beatty on the call. Joey, how you doing this evening?
3: Doing great. Better to be joined by you, of course. Of course,
2: I appreciate (laughs) that. And thank you all for joining us here on the show tonight. Got a lot of high school football to talk about. Later on in the show, we're going to be hearing from a trio of coaches representing the Schlarman, ALAH, and Leroy football teams, all of which are coming off a win in Week 3. Going to unveil our Top 10, as we always do, as well as our Offensive Line of the Week at the end of the show. But let's jump into our first segment of the show here We caught up earlier today, Joey and I did, with a couple of Champaign Central football athletes, Seth Bowers and Derek Cooper, as well as Coach Tim Turner. After the Maroons came off their first win of the season in Week 3, they went to Granite City and picked up an 18-13 victory. The Maroons practiced during our showtime, so we couldn't have them live on the air. However, let's take a listen to what they had to say earlier today. Now joining us on the Surf Pro Prep Football Confidential Radio Show are members of the Champaign Central football team. Coached by Kim Turner, the Maroons coming off their first win of the season last week against Granite City by an 18-13 to 13 margin. We are joined by Seth Bowers as well as Derek Cooper. Guys, thank you for making some time to be part of our show tonight. Thank Thanks you for having us. And uh, Seth, I'll lead off with you. Before we even talk about the big win, uh, the, the, the news that has come out uh, as of last night, less than 24 hours old, you guys are going to get to play that game at uh, McKinley Field, your home facility, next weekend against Wheaton St. Francis. Uh, how excited are you guys that the, the Unit 4 schools and Champaign City Council agreed to let you guys play a varsity game there?
4: We're very excited. Uh, I know the entire team just stoked to be able to come and finally play a game on McKinley Field.
2: Derek, when you heard that news, what was kind of your reaction to it? I mean, Were you kind of surprised or were you like, oh, man, it's going to get done. I'm confident that we're going to be able to do
3: this.
5: I was pretty confident. I know the community, a lot of the coaches and the teammates wanted it, so I just had faith that we'd be able to get that game.
3: You mentioned being confident. You kind of had an idea this was going to get done. It's it's obviously been in the news for some time. and I I know you like to take it one week at a time, right? But when we look ahead to next week, what kind of crowd are you expecting? I mean, it seems like this is a a big victory for uh, Central students. and I mean, I've got to imagine that they'll come out in pretty good numbers next week.
5: I think we'll get a lot of teachers, students, and family. So maybe around 700, I'm guessing.
2: Seth, why is it important for – we know why it's important for you guys to play this game. You told us, you know, it's your home facility. You want it to be a true home game. Why is it important for people to come out and support as well, for people who, you know, maybe they're not aware you guys are going to be playing on Saturday or, or they don't know what their plans are. Why do you want them to come out and
5: support you guys for that game?
4: Just to have a community backing us and knowing that, like, hey, they they are happy to see us finally playing on this field. Like, happy to finally have our own separation and have our own home field would be great. Just to know that we have backing around the community.
2: Tim, I'll ask you as well, since uh, we've got you, just to to know that this has happened after all the hard work that you and your guys and the school district have put in. What does that mean to you as a coach to see this come to fruition?
1: Well, see that that's awesome. That's the best part is that you know my guys have really um, done some legwork in order to to make this thing happen and and to see them have have some success. In, in, in that arena really is exciting. You know, one of the first things I talked about with them about this whole thing was whether or not it was able to happen. Um, you know, they were able to be a part of and see, see the democratic process in, you know, in work. And so to be able to see these things occur, to see how government works a little bit and, and then also to be able to come out on, on the, you know, win side per se, um, is really exciting. And I'm, I'm, I'm stoked for my guys.
3: Guys, I want to double back and go back to last week. Seth, we'll start with you. Big 18-13 to 13 win after a little bit of a road trip to Granite City. What's going through your mind now after winning that game? And, and I guess the bigger question is, how did you guys get it done?
4: There's a lot of hard work getting it done. I mean, we spent the week before watching film, working out in the field, putting in extra time, especially on offense, trying to fix the hold that we had in our past few games, and just really – putting to the grindstone and getting ready.
2: Derek, just to see this happen for you guys, you've worked hard trying to get on the right side of the scoreboard. What was the reaction like on the sidelines, in the locker room, on the bus ride home?
5: Everybody was happy. Everybody was excited. We had actually a fan bus come down to Granite City. So we had our supporters come along with us to see everybody on the sideline excited. Like, it did something to me. Like, I had fun. I could definitely say that was, if not, like, one of the most fun games I've ever played in my whole football career. Talking with Seth Bowers, Derek
2: Cooper, as well as Tim Turner of the Champaign Central Football Program ahead of their Week 4 game against
5: Centennial.
3: And, and, and guys, I'll, I'll hop in there. You know, close game, big win. Obviously, you mentioned a lot of fun. Yeah. Granite City. what does that do for you going into a game? Talking with Matt Daniels earlier, our sports editor, and I said it's, it's one of my favorite cliches, right? Throw the records out the window. But it really is that kind of matchup. Central, Centennial, you guys are coming in with some momentum, you know, playing good football. I mean, just just your thoughts on maybe the rivalry game in the area, right?
5: Well, we're just looking to go out there, play hard, and have fun. But it's in two days, so uh, you'll see. You'll see there Seth, you got anything else
2: to add about that? Just uh, how how this matchup looks for you guys, and how much you guys are looking forward to maybe taking a bite out of a team that's uh, that's been having some success recently.
4: I mean, other than having a high morale from. Granite City, we're ready to come play some football on Friday night, and I'm, we're ready to have a good game. I, I get the
3: sense that you guys don't necessarily want to give Centennial much bulletin board material, right? Uh, obviously, you want to let your your play on the field do the talking. But if, if you have to look at the matchup, you know, just kind of thinking of what you guys have done well, maybe not so well last couple of weeks. What, what are some keys to the game? What do you guys need to do to to come out of uh, Tommy Stewart Field with a win on Friday night?
4: Keep our heads up, uh, making sure that everybody keeps a smile on their face, and then uh, execute. We need to get everything done and everything that's added to us done.
2: Derek, you mentioned the fan bus going with you guys to Granite City, and that was the last of a three-game road trip for you guys, finally back in Champaign to play a game this week. How nice is it to not have to worry about, you know, traveling and, and all the preparation that goes into that for the first time this entire season?
5: It is definitely nice. Cause we've been on the road for three weeks. So to finally get a home game, I know the students at our school are very excited that they can finally watch us play. Seth, looking
2: at some of the players who've made an impact for this uh, program so far besides you guys, uh, you know, look at what happened in last week's game against Granite city, KJ Phillips with a big interception return for a touchdown. What can you say about the impact that KJ has had uh, on this program, not only on the defensive side, but just in general as an athlete?
4: I mean, it's all been positive. Uh, We've had pretty much a great attitude ever since, and everybody's been excited to play this next game, and I, and all have had smiles on our faces just to come play some football
2: derek i wanted to ask you about another athlete along with the two of you and kj who's made an impact for this program uh, ronald baker the third with uh with his big play against granite city and just seems like a, a
5: dynamic
2: athlete just all around
5: Yep, ronald baker he's definitely a good guy he's only a sophomore so i know by the time he's a senior he will be he'll be a star ronald's a good guy and safe for kj
2: and Seth, we kind of talked about this when you guys were in for media days This team's still being fairly young. You are one of a handful of seniors on this team, but there's a lot of young guys who are contributing to what you guys are doing as well. Uh, How have you seen this group kind of grow up through these first three weeks of the season?
4: There was most definitely the deer in headlights for the young guys in our first game, but now they've become second nature to them. They've locked in and they're ready to play some varsity football. Kind of had to grow up
3: fast those first two games, right? Normal West and normal community. Two of uh, the very best in the Big 12. The schedule you guys have played, you know, Normal West, Normal Community, Out of the Gates. What did you see from them in those first two games that, you know, you can apply to uh, the rest of the schedule, you know,
1: we'll open them with some, some very good teams? Yeah, I'm excited because we, we had those games to begin with, and it really gave us an idea of, you know, some of the things that we needed to work on. And, you know, as you said, Normal West and Normal Community are always powerhouses. So, you know, it, it gave us a very early test. To, to let us know some things that we needed to clean up. And so I'm excited going into these next few weeks to, to um, put together some of the things that we've been doing in practice and, and see how they um, work out against. And, and you know, Big 12 is a great conference all from top to bottom. So, you know, it's not to say that we're not going to still run into some juggernauts, um, but, you know, certainly to have gotten some of those games out of the way earlier was, was certainly beneficial to us, I believe.
3: Take me inside a Central Centennial matchup. Um, you know, obviously, everything leading up to that, a lot of a lot of people talking about it on, on either side, but just take me inside the atmosphere, right? You know, getting onto the field, big crowd on both sides. You know, it's, as I said, kind of a neutral site game, you know, because everyone can come out from, from, from both school and support you. Just just take me inside what a Friday night Central Centennial game is, is like to, to play in.
4: Well, I mean... You start off through your week with like the constant like a little uh, chitter chatter all through the school for the game, and then you come in on your Friday night or getting ready to be on that bus over to uh, Centennial. Uh, it's nerve wracking. Uh, there's a lot of emotion going around, a lot of excitement, a lot of just being nervous and ready just to go off and play some hard game of football.
2: Athletes Seth Bowers, Derek Cooper, and Coach Tim Turner from Champaign Central Football. You can catch them on Friday night for a 7 p.m. kickoff over at Tommy Stewart Field against Centennial, the Crosstown Rivalry game. Guys, thanks again for making some time, and good luck on Friday night against the Chargers.
1: Thank you. We appreciate you guys, and go Maroons!
2: Thanks again to our Champaign Central contingent there, Seth Bowers and Derek Cooper, along with their coach, Tim Turner. They're going to try and make a big statement against Centennial on Friday night, uh, I think it's safe to say the Chargers probably going in as the favorites at three and zero versus the Maroons one and two, but. Last season when those two teams played, Centennial was a playoff team, Central was not, and the game was decided by one touchdown, so uh, things don't always go as you expect.
3: Again, it's one of my favorite cliches, <laughs> which is uh, which in itself is becoming one of my favorite cliches, <laughs> but you throw the records out the window. You, yep. It doesn't matter what these teams have done this year because it's Central, Centennial. This is not only the Super Bowl for both teams, but it's a good chance for Central to make a statement. You know, mm. put I know they won last week, but put those two early season losses behind them and come out and, and and you know a performance you can build on for the rest of the season so it's going to be interesting to see
2: absolutely well we're going to go ahead and take our first break here on the surf pro prep football confidential show powered by u of i army rotc just as a reminder we are on both dws and hms until 6 45 p.m that is when dws will be taken over by illinois volleyball which is visiting eastern illinois and charleston tonight so you can hear that broadcast a little later on If you want to stick with us for the entire hour, though, stick with HMS. And when we come back from this first break, we're going to hear from Schlarman football coach Bob Lehman. Welcome back to the Serve Pro Prep Football Confidential Radio Show, powered by U of I Army ROTC. I'm Colin Lykus, Joey Wright along with me for the ride here. And let's not waste any time, let's jump into our next interview segment. I caught up earlier today with Schlarman football coach Bob Lehman. His first year with the Hilltoppers, he previously coached at Westville. He was the head coach back in the 1990s. Actually, fun trip, you have the most recent Westville football coach not named Guy Goodlove. Uh, that, uh, that tells you how long Guy Goodlove has been over at Westville as 30 well. 30 years, right? Yeah, uh, 29th season, so yeah, going on 30. If, if Guy heard you say it's already 30, he, he might be upset. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> actually, you're going to read from Guy Goodlove in Thursday's News Gazette, so look out for that. But, getting off topic a little bit, back to Schlarman. They are uh, coming off their first win of the season last week. They defeated Metro East Lutheran 58-12 to the team out of Edwardsville. Let's hear what Bob had to say about that and more. Glad to be joined now on the Serpro Prep Football Confidential Radio Show by Bob Lehman, coach of the Schlarman football program. Schlarman coming off its first win of the season in the eight-man ranks 58-12 to over Metro East Lutheran last Saturday. Bob, thanks so much for being part of our show this evening. No problem. It's my
0: pleasure. And getting that first win,
2: I, I know it's important to you, important to the guys. Take us through the excitement uh, surrounding the group right now, knowing that they're they're on the right side of the uh, of the win column.
0: Well, I, you know, we've been close the last couple of weeks, and uh, we we finally broke through. And what I told the team before the game, you know, there's a key word each week, and last week the, the key word was unity. We needed to come together as a team. We needed to win the game to bring the school together and to bring the community together, and they responded, and we, we did very well. Uh, we faced uh, some difficulties in it. Chris Brown, the running back, was out for dehydration the second half because he played in the soccer game in the morning. Owen Jones, the quarterback, uh, he got a little hip stinger, and he was out for about a quarter and a half, but he came back and played the second half. So they responded very well uh, to the adversity, uh, which is what they needed to do.
2: Now, I talked to you back when we had our media days here in August about adjusting to the eight-man game. Obviously, you coached over at Westville back in the 1990s, and that, of course, was the 11-man game. But this being the eight-man game, now that you've had some time to see this all play out in an actual in-game scenario, uh, how exciting is this style of play? I mean, the points kind of speak for themselves, but just what has this adjustment been like for you as a coach?
0: Well, I I think the, the adjustment for us is Trying to get the ball to the playmakers in space. And while the field is a little narrower, it's only 40 yards wide, that's an awful lot of space for eight men, to, eight players to cover on defense. So trying to find the open spaces and get the ball to your playmakers, that's uh, the biggest thing. And I know it's the same principle with an 11 man, uh, but you know, you have three extra players out there on the field. And When I'm drawing up plays or making changes, my assistant coach has to keep telling me it's only eight players, not nine, because somehow I accidentally keep trying to sneak a ninth player onto the field, and that doesn't work (laughs) real well.
2: Bob Lehman, coach of the Schlarman football program. Let's uh, talk a little bit about some of those individual players. You mentioned Chris Brown, one of the uh, few upperclassmen you've got on this roster, one of the few guys who actually played uh, a season for Schlarman football, a full season before COVID and before the the pause in the program. Um, you mentioned him missing part of that game against Metro East Lutheran with uh, dehydration, but... Eleven rushes for 138 yards and three touchdowns before he went out. Uh, seems like he can do everything, even though he's not at 100. percent
0: Well, he's he, uh, not only is he uh, running back and safety or a linebacker for us, but he's also our our kicker and our punter. So when luckily we didn't punt in that game, but we, you know, I was scrambling around trying to find somebody to do kickoffs. I mean, Chris is a very versatile player he's very strong uh very aggressive uh he's always on the go and he just tried to do too much on Saturday we missed him in spots uh we you know we sort of did running back by committee and uh, they while they were productive uh, there was you know just a little bit um that wasn't there when Chris was in the game
5: and this
2: offense is more than Chris Brown he had uh, five other guys rush the ball at least three times um, Owen Jones, your quarterback, three rushes. He also completed seven of ten passes. H- how have you seen Owen progress as the quarterback of this team? I mean, it seems based
5: on the stats, like, you know, you prefer running the ball, but also you seem like you want to get as close to a 50-50 split as you can.
0: Right, and, and that's our, our, our goal. We would like to, uh, you know, once you establish the running game, then the passing lanes does open up. Then Owen is actually our lead rusher for the season so far by three yards over Chris. Um, so we're, we're, we're trying to get, uh, you know, the offense runs through Owen. whether, whether it's, uh, you know, handing the ball off, pitching the ball off or throwing the ball, you know, everything goes, goes through him. And he is, uh, everything that I, I thought that he would be when we started the season. Uh, he's smart. He grasps the offense really well. He understands where people are supposed to be. And he knows the game plan and what we're trying to do
2: junior Damien Linares uh, six rushes for 37 yards and two touchdowns also two two-point conversions last week in the victory over metro east lutheran but he also tied for the team lead in tackles with 12 and recovered a fumble as well it seems like Damien's a, a do-it-all player for this program kind of like uh, a few guys we've mentioned
0: right uh damian actually the first two games was on the line but we we noticed that in our running game that we needed that big blocking back in the backfield. And during the COVID year, he did play fullback back there. And so we moved him back there last week. And you can see the results in, in, in the rushing game uh, that we had. So him getting out there on the blocks and also in those short yardage situations when he scored those touchdowns, uh was uh, very instrumental and, and very big for the offense and on defense you know he he started out at middle linebacker we moved him down the defensive end and he's just a disruptive force there on the line
2: and then uh two freshmen on this relatively young hilltoppers roster jarius atkinson lincoln cravens uh, i know i saw jarius's name during his uh, eighth grade track and field season winning a few state championships as an athlete in that sport uh, four rushes during the, the win over Metro East Lutheran, also caught a pass for 70 yards and a touchdown. He was tied with Damian for the team leading in tackles with 12. He had an interception. He had a fumble recovery. Uh, and then Lincoln rushing the ball for 57 yards and catching a team-high four passes for a touchdown. Uh, these two freshmen, if they're playing like this now, it seems like we're going to be talking about them a lot for the next uh, few years.
0: Well, uh, like I alluded to, we, we have talent in, in the playmakers, and those are two that we're hoping uh, will, will stick, stick with the game and be around in the future and, and be an impact for the, uh, for the years to come. I mean, they practice hard, they work hard during the games, and uh, we're, we're just trying to find the spots and put them in a spot where they can be successful and succeed
2: and you guys are facing a kind of rare road trip for this time of year coming up this week against Rockford Christian Life, a Saturday afternoon game. I say it's rare because it's the only uh, road game you've got in a six-game stretch between weeks
5: two and seven,
2: and uh, I believe Rockford Christian Life is the game you guys picked up uh, not too long ago, but uh, nonetheless, well, what's kind of the general game plan for that, and uh, how confident are you guys feeling in the chance to, to move back to 500 for the season?
0: Well, I, I kind of like our like our chances. Rockford, uh, from watching the game film and that they throw the ball around quite a bit, uh, so we've been you know working on that as part of our defensive scheme, and then just building the offense around our successes from last week. Get out there, try to establish the run, and hopefully that'll open up the passing lanes and capitalize on the skills and talent of the playmakers.
2: Bob Lehman, coach of the Schlarman football team. They're going to be at Rockford Christian Life at 1 p.m. this coming Saturday, trying to move to 2-2 two and two on the season. Bob, thanks again for joining me on the show,
0: and uh, good luck to you and the Hilltoppers on Saturday. All right, Colin, thank you very much for having us.
2: Thanks again to Bob Lehman for chiming in today on Schlarman football, one of our four eight-man teams in the area, along with Milford Sista Park, Blue Ridge, and St. Thomas More, and all four of them have at least one win Uh, Which is good to see and uh, we'll see. You never want to speculate on anything but uh, curious every year to see if we add more eight man teams as we move forward but right now a good contingent of four successful programs.
3: Yeah, kind of from all four corners of our area, too, to bit. some extent. Uh, I guess, you know, a couple couple out towards the Indiana border and a few in tight towards Champaign. Believe it or not, and I've got to change this, I've still yet to make it out to an eight-man game. <laughs> I, I need to see one, but uh, it's, it's an exciting brand of football and really starting to take hold across the state. Certainly hoping to see, uh, you know, maybe a little more of it in our area soon.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, smaller field, more condensed field as far as smaller, uh, thinner, narrower, not uh, the length is the same. But, uh, yeah, you get some stellar athletes out there and give them uh, that less room between the sidelines to try and stretch, and uh, you better watch out. It's a lot of fun for sure. Uh, Maybe one day we will be able to have a top 10 rankings for eight-man football. As of right now, of course, only four teams, so that doesn't make a lot of sense. What we do have is a top 10 for our 11-man football programs, and we're going to dive into the back half of those rankings that will appear in Thursday's print edition of the News Gazette. and You're going to get a sneak preview right now. Our number 10 team this week is the Salt Fork Storm. Just hanging on is Salt Fork after dropping a 37-35 decision to Seneca last week. Uh, heartbreaking loss on Saturday. They were leading uh, by multiple touchdowns going into the fourth quarter, but the Irish fought back for the win. Uh, Salt Fork, though, is going to be recognized for our offensive line of the week for their performance in Week 2. Going to have some of those athletes in studio here soon. Getting back to what Salt Fork's up to right now, they're heading to Gilman in Week 4 to take on the Iroquois West. And our number nine team this week is the aforementioned Iroquois West Raiders. Iroquois West is 3-0, and defeated Georgetown 62-7 to last week, and will be trying to move to 4-0 and against Salt Fork. Our number eight team this week, uh, going back to Vermillion County, it is the Danville Vikings. Danville is 2-1. and one. They knocked off a, a much-improved Peoria Manual team, 49-6. to Pretty convincing win there for the Vikings. Uh, they're going to try and make it 3-1 and one when they host Bloomington in another Big 12 conference game in Week 4. And our number 17 this week, it's the Tuscola Warriors. Tuscola, kind of similar to Danville, playing a much-improved opponent in Week 3 and coming out with the win, that being sullivan Okaw Valley, school that hadn't won a whole lot in the previous five years. Uh, they were 2-0 going into that game, and Tuscola turned to 2-1 and with a 28-25 decision. Warriors are 3-0 going into a game in Week 4 at home against an also undefeated Shelbyville team. And our number 16 this week, it's the Unity Rockets. Unity, standing at 2-1, has bounced back nicely from its season-opening loss to Prairie Central with wins over St. Joseph Ogden and Chillicothe, the most recent one 62-20 over the Gray Ghosts. Unity gets its non-conference game of the regular season in Week 4, making a trip to Paris for a game we certainly don't see in football very often, Unity at Paris. And that's our 10-6 through 6 teams in our top 10 rankings. We will unveil the 5-1 programs a little later on in the show. Gonna go ahead and take our next break though here on the Surf Pro Prep Football Confidential, powered by U of I Army ROTC. And when we come back, we are gonna hear from another winning coach from last week. That would be Arthur Lovington Atwood Hammonds Ryan Jefferson. And it is six thirty. We are back in Champaign for the Surf Pro Prep Football Confidential show, powered by U of I Army ROTC. Thank you for joining us on this. Really pleasant Wednesday evening. I'm Colin Lycus Joey Wright, along for the ride. If you're tuning in on DWS, you're soon going to have Illinois volleyball at Eastern Illinois starting with 6.45 p.m. If you want to stick with us until 7 p.m., hang on at HMS and you can do so. Let's go ahead and jump into our next segment of the night. We were, Joey and I, were in Villa Grove on last Friday to watch the Blue Devils host Arthur Lovington Atwood Hammond in a Lincoln Prairie Conference game, and the Knights came away with a pretty resounding victory, 35-18. to um, you might argue that it, it kind of could go both ways. You might argue that it wasn't as close as the score indicates, but also Villagrove left some points on the table. But regardless, Arthur came away with the win. They're 2-1, and, and Coach Ryan Jefferson certainly has to be happy about that. And Ryan's joining us now on the show. So thanks so much for joining us tonight, Ryan.
6: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
2: And uh, Joey and I eating crow because we both picked Villa Grove to win in our weekly <laughs> predictions, and you guys said, uh, "What about it?" And uh, now you're two and one going into a week four matchup against Cumberland on the road in Toledo. Uh, how the guys feeling coming off that week three win?
6: Uh, they're definitely feeling good. They're feeling, you know, more confident. Obviously, we uh, we went in the conference play one and one. We would have liked to be 2-0 oh at that point, but we knew that we had a tough test right off the bat. But um again Villagroves is going to be one of the top conference teams so that was a good a good matchup on Friday night and we just feel um good about where we're at but we have another tough challenge coming up.
2: and your guys just seemed like they were just ready for the challenge, you know. They got punched in the mouth early by Villa Grove scoring the first touchdown of the game, but just the focus was there. And I know you were talking; some of the coaches were talking after the game about maintaining that focus for an entire four quarters. But I, I feel like on the whole, you guys did a pretty good job of keeping that level head and keeping that focus for the majority of that game.
6: Right, and you guys said it best in your uh, your article in the paper that we kind of had a "band of a don't break" mentality because. Um, they were definitely in the red zone, I mean two or three times, and we uh, we came around came uh, around with four fourth down stops uh, but yeah, getting uh, a score right off the bat, we definitely could have shut down and give it up because that 's kind of been the mentality in the past, so mental toughness is something we 've been preaching for the last three months, and that kind of finally paid off.
3: Maybe I just need to expand my vocabulary, but I felt like I was saying their quarterback, you know, after every snap, rolls right, rolls left. I know he's a mobile quarterback, but you guys always seem to bring pressure and, and kind of make him uncomfortable back there. Just talk a little bit about your defensive line. I mean, Lane Rund was running for his life, it seemed, every other play.
6: Right. Um, well, yeah, that's one thing that we knew coming in is that he's a great passer, but he's also uh, he's a really, really good scrambler, and he's able to keep his eyes downfield. Um so we knew that if we brought pressure he'd be doing that stuff but we had to contain him and um again one of our strengths is our d-line but for the most part it's against the run game because we've got some big boys in there so we were you know being uh really creative and bringing guys off the edge you know we put Caden down there at the d-line every once in a while and that's a pretty scary sight in itself but yeah we we got creative put pressure on him and just we're really focused on containing him
2: and thinking about the way your defense played in that game, uh, you know we talked, you and I did, before the game about the Ty brothers, Nathan and Jacob, two big boys who are creating havoc along the lines. But Cody Cornwall, between them, uh, really made life difficult for Villa Grove's front. And then coming up from the, from the linebacker position, Tanner Beckmeyer seemed to be all over the place uh, on Friday night. Uh, what can you say about uh, Tanner and Cody specifically and what they have brought to this defense?
6: Yeah, Cody is another really good defensive lineman, and what's nice about him is he has a little bit of versatility because uh, he does start at the nose position, which is, you know, directly over the center, and he's uh, one of the strongest guys on the team, uh, lower body and upper body, and even at 250 pounds, he's very explosive for his size. Um, yeah, he can also go out and play in end position. Um, and then Tanner, you know, just brings a uh, hard nose mentality. He's a kid that rides bulls, you know, farm farm-tough type kid, um, so he's got no fear, and when he is uh, playing free like that, where you know he's got room to run, he's uh, he's tough to stop.
2: Talking with Arthur Lovington, Atwood Hammond coach Ryan Jefferson here on the Serve Pro Prep Football Confidential Show.
3: And and I wanted to flip the script. Let's talk a little bit a, a little bit about offense and, and Caden Fagan. You know we saw him all over the field uh, in, in a good way, the maybe the best way possible on Friday night, making throws, but also you know former running back turned quarterback, Illinois commit, making it happen with his legs as well. A pretty simple question, but what what has he brought to the offense that wasn't there last year through the opening three weeks of the season?
6: Um, just, just the creativity that we get to have, it's, it's a lot more fun with him back there being able to come up with plays, not only for him, uh, getting the ball, but how he can distribute it to others. Cause he's, again, he's got such a strong arm. He can throw at 50 yards, which you guys saw that he was kind of overthrowing some receivers, but he, he can get it there, but he also has such a quick release that he can get the ball out on the perimeter to our, to our, uh, Jace Parsons and Landon Waldrop and our receivers in the screen game. And it's you know it's a split second and it's out there. So just having his capability of that um, brings a lot to the offense and just lets us expand from uh, being just a you know solely run first team.
2: I know you've gotten to watch Caden a lot over the years as an athlete on the football field and in other sports. But does it ever get old watching him just shed tackles or having guys bounce off him from the opposing team? Because we watched him get wrapped up near the fifty yard line along your guys' sideline during that game against Villa Grove. And it looks like the play's dead, and all of a sudden here he comes running all the way across the field to the other side, 50-yard touchdown. It's just something you don't see locally very often.
6: Yeah, no, it never gets old for sure. Um, I'm sure if I was on the opposing sideline, it would get old real quick. Uh, but, yeah, you know, there's several plays that he makes like that. For example, Friday night, that specific play, you know, I'm thinking, all right, you're on the left sideline. We need to get out of bounds. He has the opportunity to, and I'm thinking – He's going to do it, and then he cuts back, and he runs it for a touchdown. And I'm like, all right, I would have done it differently, but that's because I'm me and you're you, you know. So uh, there's lots of plays like that that happen, and he just brings uh, a lot to the offense, obviously.
2: And looking at all the other options you guys deployed, like you said, Caden capable of throwing the ball. Maybe has to take a little bit of oomph off it at times, but you had so many other guys who were running the ball effectively as well. I know Jace had a few fumbles, but still, when he was able to hang on to the ball, he was running it uh, really well. Uh, Landon Waldrop, Mason Allen also did a great job running the ball. Just to know you've got basically a four-headed monster back there, and the opponents just aren't going to know who to look for at any given time. How dangerous does that make this offense?
6: Yeah, I mean, that makes the offense really dangerous, and Caden was even saying that on the sideline, like, you know, I think near the fourth quarter when he realized Mason was having such a good game. He's like, that's just going to take so much attention off of me and off of Jason, off of Lake. It just opens up so much. Whereas last year, you know, we had Jason Landon, but they were sophomores, they were young. Mason was kind of banged up all season. You know, we lost Max Allen in the backfield. So really it was, Caden, you are running the ball, you know, and you're the run first option. Whereas now, yeah, he's going to get his touches, but if we can limit them to when we need them and we can expand to those other guys, it's just, it's awesome.
3: We've talked a lot about last week and a lot about the opening of the season, but uh, back on the road this week at Cumberland, what are you looking for when you play the Pirates, uh, one and two, but uh, certainly a, a pesky bunch they have. What are you looking for when you take the field in Cumberland on Friday night?
6: Uh, we're definitely not overlooking them. I mean, they're a team that's had our number in the past, well, uh, probably close to 10 years, uh, but definitely the last four that you know I've been here. Um, there have been some good matchups, but they've they've gotten it done every year, and they, uh, Coach Watkins does a really good job with just how he coaches and prepares those kids down there. Um, I feel like they're a very versatile team. They've got some guys that can play several different positions. Um, I think they've got some kids that play line, but then can the next play can be in the backfield because they can be running the ball with a lineman jersey. And so again, he's just a really creative coach and finds ways to get his players where they need to be. But um, yeah, definitely not overlooking them. That one and two record. Uh, is not fooling me.
2: (laughs) Ryan Jefferson, Arthur Lovington, Atwood Hammond football coach. As we just said, you can catch him and his kids in Toledo on Friday night for some Lincoln Prairie Conference action. Ryan, thanks again for making some time for us, and good luck on Friday.
6: Thank you very much.
2: And we'll go ahead and take our final break of the night here on the Serve Pro Prep Football Confidential Show powered by U of I Army ROTC. And when we come back, we're going to hear from Leroy football coach B.J. Zalesnik also finish out our top 10 countdown, and unveil our latest offensive line of the week. And welcome back. It is 6.42 p.m. here in Champaign, and you are listening to the Pro Prep Football Confidential Show, powered by U of I Army ROTC. I'm Colin Likas with Joey Wright. You're with us for the rest of the way. That is, if you're on HMS. If you're listening on DWS, it's now time to transfer you over to Illinois Volleyball. They are going to be taking on Eastern Illinois in an in-state matchup in Charleston. So let's go ahead and transfer you over there. And if you're on HMS, you're going to hear some more of us. And for those of you on HMS, thanks for sticking with us. You got us for another 17 minutes or so, if my math is correct. Which I got into this industry, so I wouldn't have to do a ton of <laughs> math. So hopefully that's right.
3: 16 and a half. There we and go. Ticking.
2: We do. We do have a. Yeah, we have a countdown in the corner. My back's to it, so I can't really see it very well. But anyway, let's go ahead and jump into our final interview segment of the show here tonight. Uh, glad to be joined here shortly by Leroy football coach BJ Zeleznik. His team opened up the season taking on a state-ranked Central A&M team out of Moequa. Uh, final score was 35-6, but since then the Panthers have been on a tear. They went to Hayworth and defeated Hayworth 40-7. That Hayworth team had scored 50 points in Week 1, and Leroy held them to 7 in Week 2. And then they hosted Tremont in their home opener in Week 3 and picked up a narrow 20-16 to win. So the Panthers are 2-1, and one going into a big Week 4 matchup with Gibson City over in Leroy. And now we're joined by Coach Zalesnik, BJ, thanks so much for being part of the show tonight.
4: Hey,
7: thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
2: And I mean, you guys, people maybe could have overlooked you after that Week 1 loss, but I think you guys probably knew you're facing a pretty potent Central AM and m team. That's a tough way to open the season in non-conference play. And you guys have responded well after that with an HOIC small win and an HOIC crossover win. How are you feeling about the direction of this team right now?
7: Well, most importantly, uh, we're getting better every week. You know, um, so wins and losses aside, uh, the kids are showing up and they're becoming a better practice team, uh, and so which is, is making it an enjoyable season. Uh, so far, just their effort and their attitude to improve every week, and we knew, you know, A and M had some nice players coming back. Uh, we knew that they were going to be a load for us uh, week one, uh, but we learned uh, a lot from that loss. Uh, so we were we were thankful uh, in that regard that we learned a lot about ourselves and we had to make some changes. And week two, uh, you know, we were fortunate to jump out early and, and hold that lead, and then. Uh we were very fortunate to escape with a win last week. So, yeah, we're we're uh we're blessed right now being
2: 2-1. Yeah, looking at last week's uh, stat lines, uh you guys score 7 in the first quarter, 13 in the second, Tremont gets 8 in the first, 8 in the second, and then no score in the second half whatsoever. I mean, as a as a coach, do you like that kind of game or are you more so biting your nails and tearing your hair out in a situation like that?
7: Well, yeah, you are biting your nails and tearing your hair out, but uh, what I was really excited what we were really excited about as a coaching staff is that we didn't have an answer for some of what they were doing in the first half and we implemented a defensive scheme change at halftime and the kids went out and executed it uh, so could not have been more pleased because uh, sometimes uh, teams struggle with halftime adjustments uh, but we we're doing a nice job of of thinking the game and uh and asking questions and communicating and doing those things so we're we've been pretty happy with uh, how the kids have responded uh to changes on the fly
3: well when you talk about adjustments by now three weeks into the season you as a coach are uh, you know pretty much fully adjusted to the new roster from from last year you know always some turnover and some things that remain the same but through three weeks of the 2022 season who on your team has impressed you the most so far
7: well, I, you know, obviously your seniors uh, are the ones you're always hoping that are going to lead you, uh, and our seniors have stepped up and de- have done a great job. Um, you know, our two guards, Ethan Conaty and Adam Young, uh, good, hardworking, physical kids. Uh, you know, we run the wing T system, so they're doing a lot of pulling, um, and which means they're they're more of a a linebacker type body at guard. So they're undersized and they're, they're physical aggressive kids. So I've been really pleased with them and, uh, Trevor Hahn at our left tackle, another senior who, uh, has stepped into a starting role this year, uh, and has done a nice job. Um, you know, one thing we, we are a very young roster. We only have seven seniors. We start six sophomores on defense. Um, so we've got, we've got a youth movement on the defensive side of the ball, uh, but we do have a couple seniors at anchors defensively, Young and Conaty being two of them. Uh, Aiden Ross is a, a senior defensive end who's been a two-year starter for us who does a nice job as well.
2: Talking with Leroy football coach BJ Zeleznyk and one guy who's part of that youth movement that you mentioned, though we see his name a little bit more on the offensive side of the ball, is your son Bo Zeleznyk, a sophomore, 21 carries for an even 100 yards in the win over Tremont during week three. Um, I imagine, you know, you try not to make too much of the coach-son or father-son coach-player dynamic, but just to get the opportunity to, to have that. What does that mean to you as a coach and as a father? Oh.
7: It's been great. And, you know, and his grandfather uh, is able to be at practice and help out, and uh, that's been really neat to see those two get to work together uh, at practices and in games. And, you know, I'll say this about him. Yeah, uh, he is my kid, but he's done everything we've asked him to do to get ready for the season. And to see him have success, I'm happy for him.
2: Who's the best football player of the trio?
7: (laughs) Probably uh, Grandpa.
2: Yeah. All right. There
3: you go. Yeah,
7: Grandpa. Grandpa was a stud up at Juliet East but that still existed back
2: in the '60s.
3: That's awesome. So. <laughs> of course, these Lesnick names so ingrained uh, with Leroy, Leroy football, the Leroy community. Absolutely. Uh, Bj, as you look ahead, want to get your thoughts on Gibson City Melvin Sibley coming to town on Friday? GCMS, you know, they've had some really great years, past couple of years, always a, a tough-out matchup of two 2-1s. Two what do you see in the Falcons, you know, two home games in a row, so you don't have to go very far, but uh, what, 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 what will Friday's game bring to the table?
7: Well, I, I see a lot of what we've seen from them in the last eight years. Uh, they are big, they are physical, they are fast. You know, I told our kids, you want the good news or the bad news? We said, what's the bad news? I said, well, you're bigger, faster, and stronger than you at every position. So the good news is we we get to play at home. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it uh, it's going to be a tough matchup. They have got some really nice players.
3: Take our listeners inside real quick. On that note, uh, a home game at Leroy. Take us inside, you know, the the bright lights and the traditions, and yeah. uh, you know, for for those folks that have never seen you guys play at home, which I have to imagine is a, a good portion of our listening audience. You know, what what yeah. do you get in Leroy? You, you you don't get anywhere else.
7: Well, I tell you, we boy, we had an unbelievable crowd Friday night. Just wonderful, from you know your youngest kids all the way up uh, to your alumni. Uh, in the community and uh, new families that have come into the community that have now uh, embraced it and have come out and starting to tailgate. And, you know, so you got tents and vehicles set up uh, all around the field, you know, so we do not have, we built our all weather track facility. uh, We gave it its own location. Um, So we have a separate track facility and, you can walk right up to our football field. So you can stand, you know, six feet off the field. And so to have all that set up right there uh, is pretty cool. And we do a lot of our warm-up at the high school. Uh, So we ride a bus, and we pull that bus up to this uh, entrance that we have, Panther Way, which is a, a brick entrance that we take, and we get off the bus and we walk down that entrance with our fans lined up, and we've got a rock there that has a saying on it, and the kids say a little pregame prayer, and off we go.
2: Looking at this conference, the heart of Illinois small, which is what you guys play in, of course. It's really interesting dynamic this year, where Fisher obviously is not fielding a varsity program, so you've only got four programs left but just the amount of talent and amount of winning that goes on in those four programs and I mean even if you just look in the bubble of this season you guys are two and one Gibson City's a couple points away from being undefeated Ridgeview is undefeated and they're going to get a win by forfeit this week because they were supposed to play Fisher and Hayworth's got the worst record in the league and they they scored 50 points in in week one just how tough is it to be part of this conference, even when there's only four teams, three other teams that are your main competition for a conference championship?
7: This conference has forced coaches and programs to do things differently, and it took us a while to get there. Uh, You know, from about 2006 uh, to 2012-ish when the conference started, I think we had Lexington make the state finals in 09, but beyond that, that was it. And then, and, you know, they were always saying, "Well, Heart of Illinois can't get it done in the postseason." And then all of a sudden, um, you started having all these runs, state runner-ups, state championships. Uh, people changed, you know, and people raised their game. The off-season programs are intense, and uh, you've got wonderful football coaches highly successful football coaches in this conference that know how to game plan and get kids ready to go mentally. So it's a bear. I mean, it's an absolute bear. We tell our kids that, you know, every week is a, is a playoff prep. And it used to be back in the day, you know, you'd have three games a year where you really had to crank it up all the other weeks. Let's just try to get a little better this week. And that's not the case anymore. You step off the bus week one now and it's you're fighting for your playoff lives from week one
2: is it going to be weird not to see mike allen on the opposing sideline this week
7: very yep <laughs> very mike's a good friend and you know uh chad is an amazing coach wonderful coach and i was glad to see that that he got the job he deserved it but yeah it's gonna be a little sad
2: B.J. Zelesnick, Leroy football coach. His Panthers are going to be hosting Gibson City Melvin Sibley on Friday night, 7 p.m. in a Heart of Illinois Conference small game. B.J., thanks again for being part of the show tonight, and good luck on Friday night.
7: Thanks for having me. We always appreciate your guys' coverage and what you do. Absolutely.
2: You. Appreciate that, B.J.
7: Thanks, Coach. Thank you.
2: Well, let's go ahead and jump into the final couple segments of our show here. If you were with us earlier, you heard me unveil numbers 10 through 6 of our Top 10 Countdown that's going to appear in Thursday's News Gazette along with some football storylines and some staff picks. And uh, Be sure to read Thursday's paper for all of that, but if you can't wait until Thursday's paper and need to know who's in the Top 10, we're going to run down numbers 5 through 1 for you right now. Our number 5 team this week is the Bismarck-Henning-Rossville-Alvin-Blue Devils. They are 3-0. They have just routed all three of their opponents so far. Most recently, a 55-8 victory over Watsika in Week 3. They're hitting the road again in Week 4 against Moments. Uh, kind of amazing. The Blue Devils, four, three of their first four games, are going to be on the road. And there's a pretty good chance they're going to be 4-0 and with four lopsided wins to show for it. So, a uh, good start for Mark Dodd's program. Our number four team this week is the Paxton Buckley Lota Panthers. Uh, actually one of the teams that will be highlighted in our storylines in Thursday's print edition of the paper. Nonetheless, Paxton Buckley-Loto is 3-0. They hung on for a 28-25 overtime win over Bloomington Central Catholic in Week 3, thrilling win for the Panthers. That was the third of three home games to start the season. They'll hit the road for the first time in Week 4. They're traveling to Pontiac. Our number three team this week, sticking with the Illini Prairie Conference, it's the Prairie Central Hawks. They are 3-0 as well, knocked off St. Joseph Ogden, 55-28, used a massive fourth quarter to get there. It was actually just a one-score game going into the fourth quarter. But uh, Prairie Central showing the pull-away power and getting its third win of the season. They're going to look for win number four when they hit the road to face Rand Tool in week four. Our number two team this week, you're going to read plenty about them in the News Gazette here before Friday night. It's the Centennial Chargers. Centennial 3-0 as well. Knocked off Peoria Rich with 45-20 in Week 3 to improve to 2-0 and in the Big 12 Conference. Big rivalry game this week. You got Champagne Central. You heard from their athletes earlier. Centennial trying to improve to 4-0 and and silence the Maroons in Week 4. That's Friday night at Tommy Stewart Field. And our number one team this week remaining at the top of the rankings, it's the Muhammad Seymour Bulldogs. The Bulldogs are 3-0. They're coming off a 49-14 win over Mountain Zion, their first road game of the season. They passed that test with flying colors. That was a game that was, uh, I believe, 7- or 8-point game last season at Frank Dutton Field. Shows you how far the Bulldogs have come in just a year's time. And they're going to try to continue to show that with another road trip in Week 4. They're headed to Lincoln for Friday night game, 7 p.m. And that's all we got for the top 10 rankings. Agree? Disagree? You probably can't call in, but uh, you can email <laughs> me and let me know.
3: See like us at newsgazette.com, right? <laughs> Thanks, Joey. Uh, uh, how do
2: you feel about them? I, I agree. I, okay. I don't
3: think you'll be getting any emails. Uh, okay. You know.
2: I, I, I know one school that might be emailing, and and here's the thing. Salt Fork and Iroquois West are facing <laughs> each other in this week, and so one of them's going to win, presumably. Probably not going to end in a tie. Probably like opens up a spot at the bottom of the rankings, and I know who wants to get back in the rankings. It's the Monticello Sages. They are 2-1 and one on the ah. season. They have routed their last two opponents after losing to St. Joe in Week 1. Uh, if Monticello was able to beat Bloomington Central Catholic in Week 4... I think the Sages are probably going to find their way back into the rankings, but uh, that's incumbent upon them to get the job done.
3: Yeah, and I, uh, other than that, not a lot of objection. Um, Prairie Central is in the midst of a a great season so far. I think they're a deserving number three centennial. Centennial is they're building something special in Champaign yeah. this year. Um, I, I, I like their odds on Friday night against Central. We'll see how it plays out. But uh, Mohamed Seymour, I think there, there's just really no case to be made for any other no. any other number one. Uh, what the Bulldogs have done thus far is impressive, and, and I expect they'll keep it rolling this week.
2: Yeah, and uh, Mohamed Seymour, we've been uh, highlighting them every Tuesday in the print edition of the News Gazette uh, with the program, a series idea imagined by sports editor Matt Daniels that I've been executing. And uh, the program D- taking a look at different ath- aspects of Bulldogs football. And uh, coming this coming Tuesday, I uh, had a chat recently with Keith Pogue, the former head coach of the Muhammad Seymour Bulldogs, who is an assistant now under John Adkins. And I uh, had a great chat with Coach Pogue. And you can read about that in Tuesday's paper. Speaking of the Bulldogs, time to unveil our offensive line of the week it's the Mohammed Seymour Bulldogs, their offensive line. Allowed the offense to amass 544 yards of total offense against Mount Zion, including 337 rushing yards from Luke Johnson. Congratulations to the Bulldogs. We're going to honor them down the road here. But not tonight because that's all the time we got. Surf Pro, Prep Football Confidential, powered by U of I Army ROTC. Joey Wright, Colin Likas, thank you so much for joining us tonight, and be sure to tune back in next week for more.